are listening to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. Greetings and welcome to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Bookcast. Uh, book club? Cast? Sure, why not? <laughs> Same thing. Uh, I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. I'm joined by uh, Ray Andrew and uh, Jennifer Hetzel. How are y'all doing? Excellent. Good, good. Um, so we had a late start this evening because, well, internet is stupid. So, <laughs> uh, I'm a little, I'm a little, uh, off kilter, but, uh, I'm sure I'll recover. So, how have y'all been since the last time we've done a book episode? Um, I've traveled good. like all over the country the last two weeks. Literally. So, I've been great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You this have been all over the place. to Wisconsin, back to Texas. Yeah, she's been fun. That's yeah. crazy. Um, uh, today was my last day on contract at work, so I was very excited about that. I get a whole two and a half, three weeks off roughly, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So I could go into why that's not good enough, but I'm, I'm not going to say so. Uh, well, alrighty. So, uh, the last time we talked on the show, originally we were going to do a different book. I did warn that there was a slight possibility we might change up the book. And that ended up happening. So, uh, if you were expecting us to be reading uh, a different book, uh, sorry, sorry? <laughs> I've had, I did post it on That's the chat funny. and everything else. So, <laughs> uh, tonight's book we're reading is uh, Spell or High Water, which is the it is book two in the Magic 2.0 series. The first book we read a couple months ago, which is Off to Be the Wizard, there by Scott Meyer, um, and. Uh, we decided we wanted to to go ahead and just run through the series, mainly because uh, the fifth book is actually slated to drop next week. Actually, just you know, uh, uh, less than a week from today that we're recording this. So um, I hope you like this series because if, <laughs> okay, if committed. you don't like this series, like <laughs> it means you I don't know if this book comes for you. Yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you don't like this series, you don't like audiobooks. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> Don't like fun. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You don't like. You don't like fun. Um, I like so, uh, serious movies only, please. Yes. Uh, as the book does, and all of the, all of the other books, it does pick up and it, it talks about as you know pretty early in the book. It, it makes sure to re-explain how we got to the situation we're in. Uh, so I'll, I'll just kind of start there. Um, in the first book, we meet um, Martin. He's uh, in his I think mid twenties. And he's a uh, he, he likes to goof off on the internet, and he ends up finding this file stuck on the server that actually controls reality. After he plays with it a little bit, he gets in trouble with uh, the um, Treasury Department and decides he's going to go back to medieval England, where he can manipulate the file and essentially create magic. Uh, he's met there by uh, a, a wizard. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> um. And um, he basically tells him, he says, you know, hey, listen, kid, you're not the first one that's been, you know, that's here. Um, and uh, Philip, the, the wizard's name is Philip, basically says, listen, here's how it's going to work. There's a bunch of us here. There's a bunch of us throughout the rest of time. Uh, we've got a good thing going here. Uh, you're going to, we're going to pass you through that. a test. <laughs> Make sure that you're cut. And uh, as long as you're not, uh, you know, going to mess around with anyone or whatever and follow these few rules that we have you'll pretty much get to stay here and be immortal and have a good time. 
Um, if not, we'll make the um, and tie you in a hog knot and send you back. I'll tie you naked <laughs> and send you back to your own time. Yes. Um, and they have a marvelous adventure. Um, the uh, the wizard named uh, Jimmy, who is going by Merlin, uh, essentially tries to turn a bunch of cities into uh, different places from Lord of the Rings, which is and ends up killing a city in the in you know in a small town in the. And while he's doing that, and ends up trying to kill all of the wizards uh, as well. They manage to beat him. They send him back to his own time. Um, and uh, Philip ends up taking over as being like the, the chairman of the wizards. And that's where we pick up in this book. Um, <laughs> Martin appears outside the Rotted Stump, which is this, um, it's a tavern, an, an, uh, an inn, essentially. And um, he's been called because there's a new wizard in town. So he goes in and he's very, he's kind of has an idea of what he's looking for. He's looking for someone probably 20s or 30s, uh, completely out of their element, so on and so forth. That's not what he finds, though. He finds a gentleman in his mid-50s, flat top, wearing a trench coat, um, which he thinks to himself, man, I wish I would have thought of that because that would have been awesome. Um, and so he goes over to meet Roy. Roy is the newest guy to show up. Roy kind of like has already been filled in by the locals as to what's going on with the wizards and this, that, and the other. Uh, and my beer. yes, pretty much just tells <laughs> kind of brushes off Martin. Martin takes it somewhat in stride. It doesn't help that Gert, the uh, biggest, meanest person in town, has taken a shining to Roy and doesn't like Martin at all. Nope. Um, and it also doesn't help that uh, Pete, who runs the rotted stump, uh, is giving him free food and free drink, but of course makes Martin pay for everything. Uh, <laughs> they get outside, they head back to Martin's place. Uh, Roy is still just kind of giving him a hard time, so Martin activates his his uh, his spell to turn into a thirty foot tall boxed version of Martin and proceeds to handle him like a toy. Uh, and tells him, you know, look, here's the deal: you're going to listen to me, you're going to respect me, or we're going to send you back. Um, Roy gets the idea, so they head back to his place. This book does a lot of flipping back and forth through time because we're actually getting two stories. The first story we're getting, of course, is what happens to Martin and his friends uh, from this point forward. The other story we get is set back in Martin's original time because uh, Jimmy has managed to pedal a bicycle from Brazil in the mid-'80s and has managed to survive until uh, the aughts, I believe. Whenever like, Martin disappeared, he was, he was cursed by the wizards in the last, at the end of the last book, with like not being able to come within, I don't remember how far of any electronic. Thirty feet, yes. Yeah, thirty feet of, of an electronic object, of a car, you know, any kind of anything that runs with a motor or computer. Of and any kind, he had so. to figure out a path <laughs> with the least amount of cars so that yeah. he wouldn't knock them all <laughs> out. Them so he rode by on the bicycle. Yeah, yeah, so he rode on a bike. He hasn't he hasn't seen a television screen. He hasn't seen anything that has an integrated circuit in it for 30 years. Um, Jimmy shows up at Martin's house. He's like basically, uh, he has a shirt with a stain on the back of it, but it looks okay because he's got this worn out suit or whatever. And he's very good at social engineering, and he manages to talk to Martin's parents because he's there's he wants two pieces he wants two pieces of information and or one piece of information, and that is the name of the agents that were after Martin. So, um, 
we get back to, um, uh, we get back, to, you know, we go back to medieval England. Um, uh, 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 Martin takes Roy back to his place and, uh, Roy starts to tell him that he found the file in the mid seventies. And he's like, well, you actually found the file first, which was, you know, Roy was yeah. like, oh, wow, I found it first. He's like, yeah, but you're the last one to get here. So take it for what's worth. <laughs> um, yeah, he also wait, tells what, what did he photos. find it on? Again? He found it on a uh, reel-to-reel back in the 70s. So, yeah. Um, and then yeah. proceeds to tell him that he worked at the Lockheed Skunk Works, and that's how he had access to a computer. And, and he that's asked how him, they like, made the bomber. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> how they made yeah, the, the Blackbird. Um, and he starts telling him about it, and he's like, well, where's your computer? He's like... I. I'm, I don't have a computer, kid. I'm I'm just a I'm just a guy. Like it's I don't, in the room. <laughs> yes, it's in the room. And he's like, dude, this was a one way trip for you, man. Um, but he like, uh, okay. Um, so he doesn't have a computer. Um, it's at this point we um, uh, Martin's decide, Martin's supposed to be his, or I'm sorry, Roy's supposed to be Martin's uh, protege, and he tells him, you know, I'm going to teach you the ropes and everything else. Um, we go over to Philip's house. Philip wakes up. He decides, you know, part of the biggest part of his job is coming up with a duty every week to make a big fuss about, usually assign it to someone else, and then his his chairman jobs are done. Uh, so he creates an assignment for one of the Magnuses because there are two of them. There's two wizards, both named Magnus. Uh, yes, uh, we're doing a census. Yes, uh, we're doing a census, and so he he calls, and then he hears. He hears something from his downstairs, and no one should be able to get into his downstairs. He has basically an exclusion field, which is basically a force field. Um, and no one should be able to get down there, so he's a little worried about that. Um, at this point, we go back to see what's going on with Martin. Martin is being attacked by two of the other wizards, Gary and Tyler. Um, and they're activating what's called the Kato Protocol. Um, so what happens is, is he basically tells them, time out, time out, time out. Uh, y'all can't attack me because I've got Roy. Roy doesn't know what's going on. That would be extremely unfair. Um, so Jeff decides, since he's also an engineer, he's going to kind of stay back and, and hang out with Roy to uh, kind of fill him in on some of the stuff that's going on. And then Gary and Tyler then go after Martin. And it's at this point the proto- uh, the uh, Kato Protocol was come up with to kind of help them hone their attack skills. So they're all supposed to come up with spells that can be used during a battle. Uh, Martin uses his, which is, I, I love this one. He has a beanbag that he throws it, and whenever it hits something or lands wherever he wants it to be, he says, bam. And whenever he does, he instantly appears there. Yeah. Uh, so he uses that to get out of the fight. He manages to kind of get out of the fight that way. Um, Tyler on the, <laughs> Tyler gets hit with, uh, with, um, uh, Gary's, which is basically <laughs> a fart bomb that, sh- like, has a jet of air after it and just makes this huge, like this horrible farting sound constantly. And um, and then <laughs> afterwards, uh, 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 Tyler ends up demonstrating his, uh, uh, his, um, attack, which is to cause someone to hover off of the ground and basically shake and sound like a goat and make them disoriented, which is you actually a spell that Mark. Like, guys are so stupid, okay? Sorry, guys. This is exactly but, what we would come up but, with, I'll be very honest. I know. I just when I'm looking at this, I'm like, this is the dumbest shit. And of course, it's all guys. And when we yeah. get to the part where the females are kicking ass, I'm like, that's how you do it. Yeah, <laughs> I I love the part that uh, that Roy's Roy's like, 
admirable that because they they tell him, well, it's kind of Martin's uh, spell that we're, we've we've modified a little bit. And Roy's like, you you created that spell? That's that's diabolical. Like that's yeah, that's crazy. devious. And of course, he looks over at the guys. He's like, don't say a word. Because yeah. in the first book, that was his first attempt at flying, and it was a horrible attempt. Me yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um. So let's see here. So uh, after the fight, Philip calls Martin and says, "Hey, I need everybody to the rumpus room, um, which is his his upstairs area or whatever." Um, and there's a bowl there. There's a, a bowl made out of what looks to be like diamond. And if you look very closely on it, it looks like two wizards holding the bowl. It says Philip and it says Martin. And then there's kind of like a coaster on it or whatever. Um, so the other guys hide behind Philip's Fiero, which is fucking awesome. Um, by the way, I did not really know what a Fiero was until after I started reading this book. And I've looked it up and I'm, I understand all of the comments in the book. <laughs> So oh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was a beast. <laughs> it, yeah, uh, that's one way to put it. <laughs> um, so anyway, they drop this. They do what the instruction says. They drop this thing in the bowl. It makes this ringing sound, and they see Gwen, their old friend who uh, who ended up moving to Atlantis. That kind of started maybe having something with with Martin, I, but not quite. Sorry, I I just you, you got to remember they did a grand entrance. They do this grand entrance because they think there's going to be an audience for them. Oh, wait, wait, we were almost, we're almost there, we're almost there. Uh, so anyway, Gwen come, you know, appears basically kind of in a hologram and tells them, listen. Oh, right, sorry. um, Yeah, everyone, uh, the, um, the women of Atlantis, where she's at, are having basically a get together and we're inviting all of the different members from different times of all the other wizards. We want to basically kind of get together and hash out some stuff, how we need to handle our, you know, lives and work as wizards. And then, of course, she's like, oh, and I know if I don't do this, I'll get called out. And she turns in profile and does the help me Obi-Wan Kenobi or my only. Oh, great. Oh, great. Which is awesome. Um, I just have to go into this for a second. So um, anyway, so basically it says, you know, she says that Martin and Philip are supposed to go and it's going to be for two weeks. And they're like, we're going to go. And Gary's like, you have to take me. They're like, well, why do we have to take you? He's like, because I want you to because you're going to you're going to Atlantis with all the ladies. He's <laughs> like it'll be like shooting fish in a barrel, but instead no of game. fish, it'll He's be crazy. women, and instead of barrel, it'll be yes. We know what you think you're gonna be doing, Gary. <laughs> but the ladies, think of the ladies. So bad, <laughs> so bad. And then when Roy's like, say ladies again, ladies. What do you say it like? It's in ti- italics. Italics. I, I'm. I just. I love this scene. Um. It's great. Yeah. Uh. So let's see here. So um. At this point, we flash back to the future, and um, Miller and Murphy, our our old friends from the Treasury Department, have picked up Jimmy. Uh, they've got him in a holding cell, and nothing works. The uh, fluorescent light bulbs don't work. The camera they brought doesn't work. Nothing works. And Jimmy basically says he can show them how Martin did what he did, um, you know, to to escape. And of course, that piques their interest because now they're at this point they have no idea what they can do. Now we do get some hilarious stuff between these two guys. Of you know, you know where we were when you you called us. We were at the airport. We had just arrived back home. I I I love these two characters. I love the dialogue between them. Yep. <laughs> um, I wish I. I one always takes a hold of the scene where one's. So mm-hmm. it, it's usually uh, the gruffer one, uh, Miller. Miller. Yeah. yeah, Miller's Miller's usually the one that's, you know, take charge or whatever. 
Every once yeah. in a while, Murph takes over, and I love when Murph takes over. Oh, oh yeah. Classic good cop, bad cop. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or, no, how did he How did he put it? It was something like, he always pictured his, like, a friendly counselor cop and, like, insane, like, murder cop or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, But, yeah, so he basically tells him, listen, you show me, you know, if you help me out here, I can show you what happened. Um, so we go back, Philip and Martin spend several days prepare, you know, preparing for the trip or whatever. Um, Jeff decides he's going to take over Roy's training because they actually really bond, uh, both being engineers. Um, and, uh, Gary and Martin come up with a big plane for the entrance. So that's what you're saying. Um, Philip didn't care anything about it. He's just like, whatever. If y'all, if y'all have to do this, it's fine. I'm Uh, just standing. (laughs) Yes. He's like, I'm just going to stand there. Right. And they're like, yes, that's exactly what we planned. (laughs) And so they say the magic word. They um, they both get tuxedos and and everything else, and get their hair done. And it specifically says it's like you know the tuxedos they get are timeless. The clothing they get is pretty, you know, pretty on key or whatever. But their haircuts scream, "I am from the '80s." Yes. <laughs> or I am from whenever. Yeah. One thing that uh, that they did that we didn't talk about there, uh, Roy, because uh, the guys say see you in two weeks, and Roy's like. I thought we were time travels. What, what, what the hell? Why, why don't you just come back to yeah. now? Yeah. And he's like, eh, it's too confusing for everybody. So whenever we're gone, we just come back the same length of time that we're gone. So it makes sense for everyone. Yeah. yeah. I kind of like that. That was good. <laughs> that and he's like, you know, when, when you've lived, when you can live forever, you, you come to realize you don't need to see all of, yeah. all of time. Yeah. You can, you can pass out from time to time. So. Um, so they say the magic word and when they appear, there's a bright flash. Martin jumps up in the air, holding his staff in one hand and his suitcase in the other, and do- performs a perfect roundhouse kick, freezing in midair. With explosions, you see the Fiero jumping over a chasm or whatever. It basically looks like a buddy cop movie, and of course, you know, Phillips is basically just standing there like, you know, what's going on? So, um, so he does all this, he lands, and all they get is the slow clap from Britt on the beach by herself. Yeah. Oh, not Brett. I'm sorry, Gwen. Yeah. Um, so Gwen, uh, Gwen tells him, you know, look, uh, I wanted to kind of talk to you all a little bit before we get to Atlantis. Just want to kind of fill you in on some stuff. Uh, so they get in a boat that is made out of, it's basically a half dome of perfect diamond. And they start traveling along the way. And she's like, I need to explain a couple of things. Um, uh, first off, whatever you're expecting to a, a government run by women to be like, it's gonna be different than that. <laughs> See, and it's exactly the way I expected it. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to ask Jen here in a second. Um, so she she says, you know, listen, what we're, what you're expecting is is not what you, was not what's going to be there. And the other thing is, is I need to kind of explain the Brits. Uh, there's there's a council of three. We have three people on the council. We have uh, Brit the Elder. She's the one that actually built Atlantis over a hundred years ago. Uh, we have um, Oh, geez. What's the, the president's name? Ida. We have the president, Ida. She was voted in by all the other, um, uh, um, sorceresses. And, uh, then we have, uh, Britt the Younger. And they're like, well, is she the younger sister? She, oh no, she's the same woman, just at a different time. And this blows Philip's mind. He's like, that, oh, he's what? like, no, that cannot no. be. How can that be? Uh, and the way she explains it is, is Britt decided at, at some point in the future, Britt decides to build Atlantis, and before she does, thinks, 
oh, well, if it's not there, I could just go back in time and, and build it. So when I get there, it's there. And sure enough, that's what happens. So when she goes to build it, she's met by Brit herself a hundred years later. She looks exactly the same. Uh, and the city's already there. And everything's set up. Yes, that it doesn't, doesn't make sense. Oh. Uh, and they're like, well, at least it'll be easy to tell the difference between the two. They're like, oh no, she ne- she hasn't aged in a hundred years, so she looks exactly the same as Bertha Young. <laughs> and that they're just like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> um. So they get to Atlantis, and um, Atlantis. She's Atlantis is the sunken city. She's like, but it's not like sunken ship. It's like sunken living room. It's once again a uh half. A sphere of pure diamond that's basically just kind of riding on the waves, so you can only kind of see just a little bit above the bowl. Um, so we get there, and uh, uh, she's taking the, uh, she takes them immediately just to uh, meet Brit the Elder, and um, she comes out for a second, uh, goes back, and Gwen asks the guards to take Martin and Philip to their quarters. Um, and the guard that has to take them is disgusted by them. Okay, so we we show yeah, up thanks. here. I have to I have to explain this first. So we we get there and they quickly notice that all of the guards, all of the workers, pretty much every male servant there is like just yeah. beef, just <laughs> huge. They wear kilts. If they're wearing a shirt, it's like a fishnet. It's just <laughs> like these are the most beautiful men you've ever seen in your life. And, uh, the one ends up taking him, taking Martin and Philip, and he's just disgusted by them. He's just like, you, you are men? Really? You are men. Um. You're men in your time? Yes. And then he starts explaining how all the men are trying to become the sorceress's servant. Um, by the way, there's a little thing in there where she says, you know, they don't like being called lady wizards. They prefer sorceresses because it's fun to say, send several sorceresses southward or something like that. <laughs> um but anyway so uh he he explains that all the all the guards everyone on there you know everyone in Atlantis is trying to become the sor- uh sorceress's servant and Gwen is the only sorceress without a servant um and they're like well are you also trying for this and he's like yes of course that's like the highest honor ever and um and tells him his name and his name is Ampex and it's <laughs> just like okay He's delivering, like, the most important thing ever. Ampex. Yes, Ampex. <laughs> um, and he asked, he's like, y'all are from, y'all are from Gwen's time. Um, is there anyone that she liked? And Philip says, oh yeah, she, she, she fancied someone all right. And of course he wants to find out more about this person, start emulating. And when he says it's Martin, he's just like, he almost vomits. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they go to this gala. They have this big gala on the, on the opening night. Uh, Gwen gives them bow ties. And completely brushes off Martin. Like, she's over there helping Philip with his bow tie and everything else. And he's like, is this straight? And she's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Um, just, like, giving him the cold shoulder. And you, you feel bad for Martin. You're like, damn, man, things are not good here. Um, well, they haven't uh, talked in, what, like, two years? Well, for her. Yes, and there's a years. point where he says that. He's like, I'm, I'm kind of surprised you contacted us this quick because it's only been a month since we saw you. And she's like, it's been two years for me. And he's like, oh, Oh. <laughs> yes, he waited to. Shut yeah. Um so all the women enter, uh Britt makes the introductions and we get a very clear glimpse as to how that relationship works 
because she's like, you know, as you know, I am Brit the Elder. I built Atlantis and this, that, and the other. And beside me is Ida, and she was voted by all the sorceresses to be the leader. And to the right of me is a younger version of me. And literally as the spotlight hits her, it just immediately cuts off, and she just goes on. And it's like, wow, you're kind of a bitch. Oh. <laughs> um, yes. Oh. Um, so, uh, Phil and Britt, the younger, actually meet each other and don't like, they both, like, very quickly don't like her. Philip doesn't like her because of what she is a symbol of, which is that time is basically set and he's a big proponent of free will. And Britt doesn't like her because, well, it's like, it's like living with, you know, a mom or a sister that constantly puts you down. See, um, I, and they, I love, I love the conversation that uh, that uh, Martin and Philip have about that, where he's mm-hmm. where you know Martin's like, every time this comes up, you always react the same, which could just be the code that you're written by. Yeah, and exactly. He's like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> just, he will not accept it. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And, oh, uh, they, they, the two bond over Scotch. Martin meets two magicians who are complete jerks to him. Like they're they're both I, I I've got their names written down later because when he actually introduced their names, uh, but they're from England, but like in the 1800s, and they're magicians. And he's like, well, when you say you're 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 magicians, you do magic, and they're like, yes, like <laughs> magic, magic, or like tricks, magic. And he's just and they're appalled. They're like, what? What do you mean? People come to us to be fooled. How would they be? How would they be entertained if they knew it was actually magic? And they're like treating him like you know they're. Like explaining it to him like he's an idiot and he shouldn't be understanding this. And in fact, I think the first time they meet, they kind of wave from across the way and the one just literally gives him the bird and he's like, fuck is your problem? <laughs> um, so, um, Ampix tries to impress Gwen. He shows up and is at, like walking really funny and she's like, are you having a seizure? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm imitating the one that you like, you know, <laughs> she's, he's like, you know, I will act like this for you out in public or, no, I will act like this for you yeah. in our bed chambers. She's like, in and in public goes, No, I will act like a real man then. <laughs> <laughs> um Oh my god, I, I love that. Um Martin finds uh Martin ends up finding her and um basically just says, you know, he, he has a conversation with her, he makes her laugh. He I'm talking about uh Gwen now. Uh he makes Gwen laugh and they have a, a conversation and he's just like, you know, listen, I'm, you know how I feel. I made my intentions known. I like you. I'd like to see if this goes somewhere. If, if this isn't happening, it's not because I'm not let, you know, I'm not being out there and being honest. So, um, which kind of hits her a little bit. And it's at this point we hear a cracking sound and a giant statue. Who was it? Was it? Which woman was it that fell on the first time? Maya Angelou? Maybe? Oh, the statue? I can't remember. Yeah, anyway. So there's the... Okay, so... Yeah. So in this giant hall, there are these uh, diamond statues of different, important, uh, strong women through history, but they're all dressed up like it's back in Greece, and they're like, it works for Wonder Woman, not so much for, you know, Maya Angelou. (laughs) But anyway... So this giant statue breaks off at uh, the ankles and starts to fall, and Philip ends up protecting Britt by creating a, a, a force field around her. Britt the, the older ends up coming over and is like, you know, thank you for 
trying to protect me, you know, as my younger self, but just like y'all, we can't really be hurt, and then proceeds to, like, smack her on the head. Um, <laughs> Throws a yes. piece of statue at her head. It's yes, that's right, head. yeah. Um, <laughs> and, she, and, of course, she's just saying, they're like, oh, this sucks. Um, it's at this point we flash forward again. Jimmy's trying to convince Murray, uh, Murphy and uh, Miller about his plan, and we get this cop that keeps coming in with a laptop, and he keeps like, get it away, get it away. Like, he's getting up against the wall. He's like, don't get it near me. And, of course, by this point, it's already died. And the cop's like, no, I swear, it just worked. Oh, look, it was out here. And, of course, turns it around. He's like, damn, I'll go get another one. They're like, you do that, kid. Just just leave it outside next time. And he doesn't get it. By the last one, he's I, running with it working. And, yeah. Yes. Can I just say that I'm convinced that I have an elevated magnetic field? Because when I'm around some electronics, they fuck up on me in ways that they don't fuck up for other people. And I'm I, not I'm not just saying that to be like I'm exaggerating. Like my friends no. who work on computers can vouch for me. I have Jenniferism. I, I know that I know that for a fact happens because when I was a campus tech at uh Shoemaker High School, there was a woman that worked there. She was a nicer old lady. Uh we referred to her as Miss Magneto. Um <laughs> do you remember the old style um overhead projectors like they had a big bulb in it and like projected it up on the wall yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. she had to have a student turn it on because if she turned it on she'd blow the bulb she could not keep credit cards in her pockets because she would demagnetize them no shit wow. no shit not that bad, I, but... I saw in in like personally saw witness this stuff happen so believe me when you say if you have a miles field i don't I, yeah. I, somebody yep, found I, the file for her. <laughs> yeah, no joke. They just turned it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna fuck with her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> failed me in math class. Watch this. <laughs> um, let's see here. So, uh, at the meeting the next day, Martin slips out. Um, okay, so this is funny. So Martin's having a hard time concentrating during this meeting, and he kind of keeps falling asleep or whatever, and um. He makes the comment, uh, you know, Philip says something or another. He's like, I don't know what it is, man. It's like, you know, all this, you know, parliamentary procedure makes me think of the Star Wars prequels. And then, like, realizes, oh, shit. And Martin, and Philip's like, they, they made prequels to Star Wars? Because that was one of the things they said. They don't show new technology or new movies to older wizards or whatever. Um, which they end up breaking. They break that down later on. But, um. I just thought that was funny. So he goes to find Gwen because he's like, Gwen will, Gwen will catch this. Gwen will catch my comment. And so he makes the comment. She's like, totally. I love the prequels. And starts going on. And he's just like, oh, God, I love oh. this girl. And I can't know. He's like, well, it was good while it lasted. Yeah. He's like trying to forget the conversation. It's just happening. Uh, <laughs> and it's at this time, another statue falls on Brit. This time, there's no one to protect her. And it literally just comes down it destroys the chair she's sitting in it destroys the table she's sitting at she's perfectly fine but still uh so we you know a second time and this time and it, it points it out is the first one like the ankles were together so it had one breaking point this time the ankles were apart because the the statue's legs were apart and they're like so that's two separate breaking areas that's this is not coincidence something's going on um but that later on that night philip uh visits brit um and he's he just kind of he he's there to warn her. He thinks that someone is trying to kill her, and she's like, "No shit, Sherlock." <laughs> but I know um, because Brit the Elder's over there. Exactly. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, that's a good point. And that's one of the things that they're just like, well, it doesn't really matter because if if I died, then Brit the Elder wouldn't be here, and Brit the Elder's here, so obviously I can't die. Yeah, and I don't um, know if it feels she's like totally I don't unhelpful think that's with true. everything. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and Philip's like, like, I don't believe that to be the case. I I still think that you know, if that's not the case, then yes, you could die, and this is a very serious situation. So yes, we need to take um, it seriously. Yeah. So she ends up, she's already kind of started taking a liking to, to Phil and ask if he wants to go see some cool stuff. So she ends up pulling up this uh, diamond sphere and they start going out through the ocean. And he show, first she shows him like, you know, all these reefs and stuff with these colorful fish and everything. And he's like, yeah, it's, that's pretty. It's, it's okay. Or when she's like, you want to see something really cool? And he's like, yeah. And then she takes him to see a, a giant squid and he's just like blown away by this. Um, and while they're having a conversation, once again, whether or not she can die, uh, what this means for Brit the Elder and her and how they could both be there and everything, um, they start, the spear literally implodes. And uh, they would have died, but, uh, I mean, all the air was knocked out of them. Uh, uh, Philip did not have his staff, but he did have a, uh extendable wand in his pocket. Don't make the obvious joke. Uh, <laughs> And he's trying to get the wand out. He can't get the wand. And all of a sudden, something clasped onto his ankle. And he's like, oh, God, the squid. <laughs> and he looks down just in time to see it's Brit. She's basically like kind of got his leg wrapped up under her arm. And she's poking at a, a thing into the air that he can't see her magic, basically, and transports them back to her place. They appear in midair, drop down like they're coughing or whatever. Um, um. Martin and Gwen had shown up, and they wanted to discuss um, Brit's killability, uh, <laughs> which, you know, is at first there's a debate whether or not it's a real wor word, and they're like, if I use the word, and you know what it means, it's a word, <laughs> killability. <laughs> um, and, of course, you know how well it rolls off the tongue. But um, anyway, it's at this point they're like, well, I guess we need to go talk to Brit the Elder and let her know what happened. And some guards show up to get Phil to take her to Brit the Elder so that he can have this conversation. Um, switch back. We're back in the present time. Jimmy, Murphy, and Miller are in a boxcar <laughs> traveling on their way to Seattle. <laughs> so that uh, because because they work for the, uh, the Treasury Department, the Treasury Department doesn't want to spend a single dime more than they have to. There's no easy way to transport uh, uh, Jimmy. and um, Basically, you know, uh, being a hobo in a boxcar is free, so, hey, we're going to go that route. So, um, <laughs> But it had to be, like, so long so that he was so far away from the motor. And, exactly, yes. Like, wouldn't turn it, it off. And, is it a full of dog toys or something? Yes, it's full. Yeah. It's just boxes <laughs> full of squeaky dog toys. So it's it's hot. They're getting motion sickness, and it's just constant squeaky sound. And, they're, and he, he points out, he's like, they're on top of these boxes. And if you put your weight in the wrong place, you're basically going to fall through this chasm of dog toys to your squeaky death. <laughs> um, and so they're heading back. They're heading back to try to enact Jimmy's plan. Um, Brit the Elder and Phil talk. Uh, he tells her, uh, you know, um, she can't help because she didn't help then. And he's like, this is that's infuriating. And I you drive me insane. And she's like, that's endearing. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, and he's, you know, he's not happy with the answer. The next morning, um, 
on the way to uh, the meeting, they're kind of like trying to protect Brit. They're, you know, walking around or whatever. And Gilbert and Sid, that's their name, show up and make the obvious joke about, you know, their staffs may be larger than ours, but I'm sure we know how to use them better. <laughs> and they're like, you know, don't, that's, that's the first rule. Don't use the obvious joke. And they're like, no, that's your rule, not ours. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think Gwen's the one that points out, uh, they say something or another about women don't have a sense of humor because when we make jokes like that, they never laugh and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly why is women don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> um, and it's at this point an arrow shoots out of nowhere and literally like hits Brit in the forehead. <laughs> um, so let's see here. Uh, morning protect Brit. Uh, yeah. So this arrow shoots out of nowhere and hits Brit. And they look up to see where the Brit, where the arrows come from, and there's a single guy on top of a building. And before Philip can even see anything, Martin's already in the air and following. And of course, when Martin gets up to the building, he makes the perfect Iron Man three point landing, and Stop no one's there to see it. Yes, <laughs> no one's there to see it. <laughs> so he follows the guy into a stairwell. The guy's running down the stairwell. He uses his his beanbag, drops it down to the bottom. Bamp appears there, looks up. Guy ends up going out through a different door. Of course, Martin's like, bullshit. So he gets up there, tries to follow the guy, uh, runs through a spa in which it's all be- big, beefy dudes getting their nails and hair and stuff done by other big, beefy dudes. <laughs> talking about... That's the only thing to do in this world. Talking about all the manly things that they're doing, like selling bread and... <laughs> Uh, throwing the discus um but yeah so he ends up chasing down uh he, he tries chasing down this uh guy and all of a sudden the uh the president's uh bodyguard nilo catches this guy and like beats the shit out of him like beats him unconscious almost beats him to death before finally letting him go um even though martin you know and uh well martin in particular gets in his face and it's just like let him go like it's done with he's 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 done with um, he's in a coma, so they have to take her, they have to take the guy to, uh, see the, um, see the doctor. Um, I love he ends doctor. up being okay, but he doesn't know what the hell happened. Like, he's just like, I was up there, all of a sudden this arrow appeared, it flew down, I looked over the edge of the wind, you know, over the edge, and everybody was pointing at me, and it was like, oh shit, and so I ran, so. Um, let's see here. So, uh, back in the present time, Jimmy Miller and Murphy arrive at a warehouse, uh, they think they're going to drop off Jimmy, come to find out, well, you guys have to guard him anyway, y'all must well gain guard the warehouse too, which just sets Murphy off, or Miller off. <laughs> um, so, uh, they end up enacting Jimmy's plan, and they're like, we cannot believe this was the fucking plan, and we did not realize it, we're not realizing it until just now. And his plan is to sit at the other end of this warehouse, using a telescope and a two empty cans with string between it to basically watch Miller work on a laptop and try to find the file and give him instructions through the can. I gotta give him credit for creativity, absolutely. Yeah, creativity. Exactly. Of course, if you've had 30 30 years to... to Yeah, yeah, 30 years on a bicycle, I'm sure you've come up with lots of plans. Um... So he ends up, they end up finding a file and, or he ends up telling them how to get back to the file that he found. They get to the file 
and a password screen comes up. And he's like, there's not supposed to be a password on there. And he melts down. And Miller's like, I don't get to, I, it's very seldom I get to see someone melt down like I do. So he enjoys the hell out of it. Um, let's see here. So uh, Phil goes to see Britt and um, ends up staying over the night because they have one of those nights where you just kind of stay up late talking and, you know, sure. one thing leads to another. Uh, the next, mo- yeah, the next morning he wakes up. He's trying to figure out how to wake up. He's like, I don't want to be the guy that's like getting up, trying to get dressed because then I'm the guy that got what I wanted and now I'm leaving. And he's like, but I also don't want to be like, have that awkwardness of, oh, you're still here. Uh, so he's trying to figure out what, ha- you know, what to do or whatever. Um, uh, the servant comes in, serves him breakfast. It's okay. She's like, do you think Martin knows? He goes, uh, Martin knows. Otherwise he would have called and found out. So he calls Martin, and of course Martin's like, "Yes, <laughs> what's he doing? Like, yeah, what's he doing? Where you at, buddy?" He's like, "You know exactly where I'm at." Does Gwen know? And of course he turns his hand because it's the <laughs> hand phone, and she's like, "Hi." So <laughs> they roast him for a little bit, and they're like, "Okay, fine." Um, so they they finally end up leaving to go back, you know, to get back to the day's events, and uh, unfortunately, her servant gets. Uh, hit by several arrows because instead of just the one arrow, it's like 50 arrows coming at her after. Her. Um, so, uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, the arrows hit Nick. Yeah. Um, okay. I, sk- I skipped over oh, a few things here. So, so can I just say something real quick? Up to sure. this point, like when Phil and younger Britt are hitting it off, I had in my mind that Phil was a lot older than he was, apparently. Because it was How just weird to me. I don't know. I was thinking he was just older than old enough to hook up with younger Brit. You know. Right. So, so did anybody else have that in their head? So for and, and I did too. But they kind of explained it too in the way that um, when you live forever, you don't really care about right. what the person looks right. like. You start well, really caring about. In the first book, uh, Phil is a is early forties. Um, it says he's early forties and I think she's late twenties, Yeah. but the amount of time that she's had her time frozen, like, you know, mentally they're about, they're roughly the same age. It's just, she looks a lot younger than he does. So, yeah. um, and that's what I, yeah, that, yeah, I pictured that as well. But yeah, if you, if you were picturing Philip to be a lot older, I could see why that would be like. Okay. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah she's like, like in the 60s. No, like 40s, early 50s, and then she was like early 20s. Is what I was thinking. I don't know. So it was just weird. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, there's at least a decade. Physically, there's a decade between them, but mentally, they're roughly the same age. So. Yeah. Um. Because you know, time is hard. <laughs> at least in this world, it is. Um. Well, that's even at the beginning of this book. Philip talk like they they talk about that where Philip has these thoughts of he wishes he would have found the file just ten years earlier. So yeah, he he's like, why couldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so why couldn't it just a pop. couple of years? Are, yeah. <laughs> oh, I know those feelings, Phil. Let me tell you. Uh, yes. <laughs> let's see here. Um, so the thing that I kind of skipped over. So they end up trying to figure out. They they find Back to the Future. Um, they find several more files and they're all password protected. And, uh, Jimmy's like, well, there's one guy who never told us who, where to find his file. So maybe you should go pay him a visit. So Murphy drives to California to visit Todd in prison. Florida. The, 
The explanation of to- of Florida is hilarious. He drives to Florida. So. <laughs> yes, drives because you know flying would be too much. After um, taking that train ride. Yes. Uh, the uh, he's in the facility, which is all it's called. It's literally a a uh, business complex that just looks like a run of the mill business complex in Florida, and it is actually you know the secret warehouse for all these you know. He's like, so these are the, like the worst of the worst criminals. He's like, no, these you're not listening to me. These are not the worst. Of the, violence is not a problem for prisons. If it was, we'd have a lot more problems in the world. These are ones that we don't know what to do with. Um, and uh, uh, and he, uh, the part where he's like, I just don't understand. Like, it's right next to two highways. The state's not that wide. He's like, you don't understand. If a prisoner gets out, you'd have to deal with alligators, which will eat them on sight, or they have to deal with Floridians. And Floridians think. <laughs> Floridians think a call to nine one one is like a lottery ticket. <laughs> I thought that was. I'm glad I'm not from Florida because I might take offense to that. But uh, being from Texas, I thought it was funny as shit. Uh, so anyway, um, he he's introduced to Todd, and Todd is this tall, gangly kind of like he's got this. He's got a weird nose, and he's just super awkward. And he gives him a note from Jimmy that basically we don't really find out exactly what it says at this point. And Todd says, write this down. I'm only going to say it once. So he ends up writing this stuff down. And, um, and, and Murphy ends up going back with the information. Um, let's see here. So we go back. Brit the Elder, um, gets Phil in trouble with Brit because she basically kind of talks to him or whatever and is like, she remembers the first night that they spent together, and, you know, Britt's like, you slept with her, and goes, well, yes and no, because if it's you, then yes, and not, like, he was in a fucking impossible situation, like, he, yeah. that was the Kobayashi Maru of questions right there. Um, You don't answer it. Yeah, so, you know, Phil is just, like, up shit creek at this point. Um, so, um... Go back. We go back to the future. Murphy ends up bringing the instructions back to Jimmy. Jimmy's kind of getting, you know, is like, listen, they're not really great instructions. I'm trying to help you as much as I can. But that's when Murphy finally breaks down. Murphy's just fucking had it. Um, and what's funny is Miller's like, listen, I understand. But, you know, he's like, you you blow your lid all the time. He's like, yeah, but you're not good at it. Here, let me show you how it's done. And then just like launches off. Um but they find a file. They're able to make the change. Jimmy gets up, walks closer and closer, just expecting it, you know, expects the laptop to die, and it doesn't. And is, you know, they're all surprised what the hell's going on. He does a little demonstration where he gives uh, Miller like five million dollars, uh, and then instantly disappears. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's like keep it, keep the five million, use it for anger management. <laughs> um, and. See, uh, yeah, Jimmy ends up going, he gets a nice suit, he gets a better computer, and he goes to visit Tyler in his apartment in modern time, because when Tyler has to use the bathroom, <laughs> he always comes back to modern time. Um, constant use of flush. Constantly flushing for, like, years. Um, and, of course, he asks him, he's like, what could you have ever said to me to make me help you? He's like, well, I can't tell you what I said, because if I told you then, I wouldn't be able to tell you now. And he's just like, I knew you were going to say that. Um... So Tyler ends up helping him, unfortunately. Uh, Britt ignores Phil at the mill. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I was gonna say this is this is where you really start seeing the genius that Jimmy is, right? Like Oh yes. Like he, he even back at the beginning of the book, he calculates the 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 proper facial emotions so that he portrays a certain emotion and a certain amount of each emotion so that it's it's sincere even though it's not. Exactly. And God he's good. Yeah, I, I love the way he describes it too. He's like, what am I trying to portray here? Definitely sadness, resentfulness. Yeah. So yeah. 25% of this, 30 of that. Yeah. Hold <laughs> down. Which I have no idea how to even contort my face to that. Like, I just. Yeah, I couldn't even come close. It yeah. would look like I was having a stroke or something. <laughs> <laughs> One eyebrow up, other eyes popped out. It's like, what right. are you doing? Um, let's see are here. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, (laughs) the next day at the meeting brit ignores philip at the meeting um and our our uh our british gentlemen proceed to give us a lesson on why that means she must love him because they're ignoring (laughs) him um and of course philip and 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 martin are both just steaming the whole time as they're talking um Let's see here. But a bunch of arrow and a bunch of arrows hit Brit. This time that they've this time they've got tar on them and they've got this uh, they've got like these ropes that are appearing. What it, it looks like a portal, but it's in a wall, and so it looks like she's just being pulled into nothing. Martin immediately jumps up, tries to or uh, Philip jumps up, grabs her leg. Martin starts trying to using his magic. He uses the the fart blaster thing or whatever to try to help pull him off course. Um, this scene is so stupid. Yeah. Like, um. So stupid. Yeah, and then at this point, the, um, uh, you know, I can't remember what he calls them again, but the, the British guys jump in as well and are trying to help. And unfortunately, both, uh, 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 Brit and Philip end up going through this portal. And they're like, well, you know, y'all kind of took your time trying to help out. They're like, well, you didn't think it was serious until Brit the Elder disappeared. And of course, they look around and they're like, yeah, halfway, as soon as she went in the portal, Brit the Elder disappeared as well. And they're like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Um, it looks like, you know, me, she might actually could die. Uh, we go back in time. Jimmy appears at Gary's cave and convinces him to help him. Um, which is a fun scene in that he's once again trying to figure out what am I going to try to convey here? Gary's very suspicious of him. He's holding his, uh, his, his, uh, staff like a rifle at him. Um, but convinces him to at least kind of let him talk and figure out stuff out. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Gwen and Martin check out Britt's computer. The file has password protection, which freaks them out. They're like, why the fuck is this happening? They check all the different versions. Same thing. Martin leaves to think. Nick tells Gwen uh, she needs to be up more front with her feelings with Martin. Um, and I don't really like that scene because, she, you know, he's like, you know, have you told him how you feel? And she's like, well, not in so many words. And he's like, well, you know, if if subtlety if he hasn't been settled with you why do you think being settled with him is going to work and she's like well i was just kind of hoping he was going to have enough interest for both of us and he's like well you know maybe for some time but after a while everyone tends to lose interest so um i also think it was funny she was like oh i thought we were talking about i thought you wanted to talk about the the fact that you know Britt disappeared and he's like oh no that's magic stuff i i, I don't know anything about that <laughs> he's like i just want to talk about you and your boy um, flashback, Gary takes, uh, Jimmy to Camelot to see Eddie, and Eddie is just, I love this scene. Dude, dude, how do you, how could, don't dude me. <laughs> um, 
it's just funny. Um, so Martin walks back to the apartment. Vikram sees him, uh, who's uh, a uh, Fakira from, um, um, he, well, a time traveler from uh, another place, tries to cheer him up. And then Ampic shows up at the door and tells him that he respects him. And he's like, what? Um, he's like, because at least you acted. He said, you know, everyone else just sits around and thinks, you know, um, you don't get the respect you deserve. You know, uh, the other guy treats you like a student still. He's like, you know, you're not a student anymore, but he still treats you like a student. And Gwen is constantly hiding. And he's like, no, she's not hiding. I mean, yeah, she, you know, think about all the time she was back, you know, in, in medieval England, pretending not to be a wizard. Dressed, yeah, okay, yeah, she hides. Yeah, she's, uh, hiding. <laughs> she's hiding. Um, And it's at this point Martin comes to a epiphany. And it's that they're having a discussion. He's like, yeah, but they're both smart. They're both smart people. And he's like, but they were acting stupid. He's like, yeah, well, smart people do stupid things. And then starts to repeat himself because it's finally hit him. Um, let's see here. So they, uh, they end up going to see, he ends up taking Ampix with him. They go to see Gwen. Gwen doesn't really know how to handle the whole, uh, Ampix thing. She's just like, <laughs> I love this scene as well. She's like, why is, and then she's like, I don't want to say that because I'm ignoring him. Why are you? Why is he here? <laughs> and he's like, because he helps me think. And then gets her to admit that, yes, smart people do stupid things. Like, she's very smart. She's like, go on. He's like, but you like me and you're not, you don't tell me this. You're not showing me this. That's stupid, right? So smart people do stupid things. Um, and it, <laughs> I don't know if she doesn't really admit it, but she does. Oh, no, <laughs> she won't admit it, but she's like, well, crap. Um, so at this point, they go to see Ida. And uh, that's also funny because, you know, he's like, let me do all the talking. I've been interrogated by the best. She thinks he's talking about Miller and Murphy. He's like, no, my mother. <laughs> Great scene. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Martin gets her to admit that she gave powers to Nilo, her servant, um, and basically set him up with baby powers. But these baby powers included creating arrows, creating dynamite, or I'm sorry, creating C4, creating yeah. portals. Like it's and she's like, Oh, he was so cute. I'm just like, You are I gave him eternal life. She's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, she's definitely out there. Um so Nilo comes in and um is is uh basically trying to explain why everyone else is an idiot, which I have had conversations with stupid people and I understood this conversation unfortunately better than I should have. I don't speak stupid. That's the problem. I'm sitting there going, I've had this conversation with someone before. I'm trying to use logic, but they're stupid. Oh, you and can understand it, but you don't. Okay. That's right. I'm, and I can't, I can't speak stupid on the fly, so I'm at a disadvantage. <laughs> um, he basically explains his plan. His plan was to kill, uh, Gwen the, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Brit the Younger, which should kill Brit the Elder, which means I would be in charge. Uh, they try explaining why that wouldn't work. He's like, well, I was either going to just, you know, drop him through a portal and, uh, uh, yeah, I was going to drop him through a portal and they were going to fall to their deaths. And they're like, we can fly. You've seen us fly. That would not work. And he's like, well, that's why I didn't go with this time. I dropped him in the ocean tied to a big rock. And they're like, you tried drowning him before. And then they start pointing out. They're like, yeah, but Philip was holding like Brit's one hand was gummed up. Brit's other hand was being held by Philip, and Philip doesn't have his staff. Like, there's a possibility they could be dead. Yeah. Um, and it's at this point Nilo gets the drop on him, 
literally causes the ground from uh, underneath them to uh, shatter, and they fall through a portal and end up at the top of at the top of the uh, of the city. Um, uh, Martin's just about to get his staff back. Uh, uh, um, Britt ends up saving. I'm sorry. Uh, Gwen ends up saving uh, Nilo and ends up stopping Martin. He ends up going down trying to get his staff back, but unfortunately, Nilo appears, r- grabs his staff, and runs off. Uh, kicking him head in, in the head as he goes. <laughs> um, this is like the third or fourth scene in this book where they're like, we really need to rethink this whole yeah. needing a staff or one thing. Exactly, <laughs> yes. Might <laughs> <laughs> um, be a better way. The girls might have it figured out. Yeah, but, and he's thinking about He's even saying that. He's like, man, if only I could have a, if I could have a spell that would cause my staff to come to me like Thor's hammer, that'd be awesome. Of course, I have to have my staff to work the magic to cause it yeah. to come. But yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um. So anyway, he's chasing Nilo through the city, trying to get his staff back. Um, Gwen ends up dropping off Ampix to try to help him out, and he's like, "This is awesome. He's as beefy as this dude is. He's gonna be able to help me get my staff back." <laughs> and very quickly, he's like, "Why are you winded? You're like, you're like this buff dude." He's like, "Yeah, I don't work out. I must. I'm naturally this way." And he's just like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> he talked all this game, and then he's like useless in a fight exactly yes it would be like me trying to chase the guy down <laughs> um so um uh let's see here so uh, uh at this point so uh gwen ends up going after uh ida they basically are having a standoff she's like well what are you gonna do well what are you gonna do and they both disappear they both think of the same thing they're gonna try to get to um uh brit the younger's computer or brit the elder's computer i'm sorry so that yeah. they can take the powers away from the other and they get there and there's this funny scene where they both start throwing force fields trying to uh outdo <laughs> each other and basically just cube themselves in and then decide to start squeezing down on each other and the whole time there are these two guards watching and they're like is there anything we can do to help they shoot him this look that i have i have gotten on more than once in my life from a woman just like stay out of this it's just like right <laughs> i ain't saying shit anymore um, and it's at this point, um, you know, Britt figures out the best way that she can handle, or, uh, I'm not sorry, um, Gwen figures out the best way she can handle this. She does the all call for all the sorceresses and basically says, Hey, shit's going down. Ida tried to kill everybody. She's interrupted by Ida, who's doing the same thing, but it doesn't really matter at this point because all the fucking sorceresses are, have already started to show up. Meanwhile, we get to the main square where, uh, uh, Martin is chasing down the um, Nilo. He's basically running in a circle, uh, chasing Nilo. And then at this point, Nilo realizes that he can, he's got the power here. So he starts chasing Martin back around. Ampix shows up. At some point, he stopped to get like an apricot or something and is eating it. He joins in, and Nilo like basically threatens to, you know, actually kill ampics because he could at this point um martin's trying to sneak and get his his uh his staff back and some of the other wizards show up and in these books there's at least one scene in all of these books that i will i so badly want this to be made into a tv show or a movie because there's the there's the particular scene i want to see come to life and this in this book is that scene um so the they basically create a wall around around Ampix and um 
or no, that's what it is. Uh, the two guy, the the two uh, Brit uh, British guys, are like, hey, we can have a little fun with this. So yeah. they both transform. <laughs> the one, and they don't say what they, they describe what they look like, but they don't really say what they are until later. Uh, but one of them turns into a giant version of Cthulhu, and the other one turns into a giant version of Feklar, the demon <laughs> from Klingon. Um, and they start advancing on Nilo. He starts losing his fucking mind. He starts causing arrows to appear and is throwing them at him. They're bouncing off a force field they have. Then he starts throwing the goo, and it starts exploding. And they're like, you know, obviously, well, we figured out what's going on, who's been causing the problem. Um, but we need to contain this before someone gets hurt. A bunch of other wizards show up. They cause a force field. Um, uh, Vikram causes basically an ocean of cobras to appear, uh, which nice just guys. covers everything. Yeah. Oh, uh, Nilo ends up finding, like, ends up climbing on top of them, and of course they're like, yeah, they're completely harmless. They, you know, they're basically just kind of wiggle around and don't do anything. They look ferocious, but whatever. He ends up climbing up and climbing out, gets over the force field. And one of the guys is like, I'll stop him. So he, he, I'm trying to, uh, was it the conquistador? It was the conquistador first, I think. This ghostly conquistador looking something like out of a Scooby-Doo cartoon appears. And as Nilo is running around, they're slowly but surely turning off the force field, causing the snakes to just kind of go everywhere. And let's see, there are chihuahuas, they're flying chihuahuas. There's a Cerberus. There's a dragon. And they're all fucking chasing Nilo around. He's just lost his damn mind. They cause a ring of fire. He ends up... No, that that happens in a second. It's at this point, there's a bright flash. Martin has found his staff and transforms into his 30-foot-tall, shining self. And, of course, the first word is he looks around, sees everything. He's like, now this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> because this is how dudes would handle this. And Jennifer's rolling so her eyes. Stupid. So stupid. So I'm rolling my eyes so... the whole scene, like... So awesome. Let's <laughs> just exactly... invent a bunch of weird shit to make well, Ray, the problem would, going. <laughs> if you were in this situation, would you not fucking be doing this uh, awesome ass magic? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I need another female on this show right now. Like, <laughs> back me up. <laughs> um So Martin transforms. Nilo tries to get away. He ends up grabbing Nilo. Um it's at this point the women are, are discussing what's happened. Um, uh, um, Ida basically has a mental breakdown. She's trying to, she comes up with some cockamamie plan as how how Gwen is the one that actually killed Britt because she wanted Philip but also wanted Martin. And they're like, well, what about Ampix? And they're like, well, what's an Ampix? <laughs> like <laughs> Ampix is this dude. Um, and of course, no one really understands. You know, everyone's like, yes, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Then. You know, Gwen basically says what's happening, tells them what's going on. And it's at this point they see uh, the, um, you know, they see the shit that's happening at the other side of the city. There's explosions. There's like a light show. And apparently there's a dragon flying around in the air. And um, Brent, uh, Gwen's like, can I, you know, they're like, what the hell's going on over there? And Brent, uh, Gwen's just like, the boys. <laughs> She's like, can I get them over here? They're like, yeah, absolutely. So she causes a giant arrow, like from a fucking video game, to appear. They grab, yeah, he has Nilo in one hand, and uh, he has his staff in the other, 
and he's going to take Ampix with him. So he just takes Nilo and kind of stuffs him in his armpit and grabs Ampix, and they fly over there. And he's a little perturbed because he's like, we've got the bad guy subdued, and we're going to go take care of stuff. Why does everyone else feel the need to come, like, loaded, locked for bear? Like, why are there fucking flying chihuahuas and the dragon and everything else? Y'all could have, you know, he's like, but then he thinks about it. He's like, well, these are all dudes who are lonely, and they're around a bunch of, you know, sorceresses who are really the only women that would understand what they're going through, of course they're going to show off. Like, why the fuck would you not show off? Um, so there's this giant parade of monsters and shit coming towards them. Um, I love the conversation that happens where, um, um, what is her name? I'm blanking on her name. The, the doctor, she ends up taking over control. Um, oh, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crap. I cannot remember her name. Anyway, she ends up kind of taking control. She asks some questions and they end up having, they're like, Ampix, please explain what's going on. Cause they're like, he's a non magic. Everyone should probably believe him. And sure enough, everything happens. Um, but there's at one point they give Nilo a chance to explain himself. And he goes off on this rant about how you were women. You are supposed to respect your man and do exactly what your man says and, and do womanly work like magic and run the city and <laughs> let us do menly stuff like, so flowers and, and yeah, and clean. Yes. Oh, uh, and you know, she's like, would, would you, Martin, would you please shut him up? He's like, yes, ma'am. And then of course, like dumps him <laughs> on the head, puts him back in the armpit. Um, and, uh, at this point, uh, uh, Ida knows the jig is up. She, um, she helps, uh, she uses a, a, a magic spell and causes her Nilo to disappear. Uh, it's at this point that, uh, Brit the Elder reappears and, um, they're like, oh, hey, you're back. And she's like, yes, everything was fine. Everything was controlled, but I had to disappear for a while. Um, and they're like, well, what happened to Brit the old, or Brit the younger and, and Philip? And they appear. And, um, <laughs> even though it's only been a couple of hours to, you know, to everyone else, they've been gone for two weeks at the opening of Epcot Center. <laughs> and I, I also love how Philip and, and Martin meet because he's like, you know, so what happened? He's like, oh, it was great. We were at the, you know, uh, we were at the opening or whatever. We got to hang out and do all this other stuff. And he's like, did you stay on, did you, <laughs> did you stay on the campus? He's like, oh yeah, the, um, uh, the Polynesian. He's like, nice. I spent the last couple of hours, you know, grieving my best friend and, and, and thinking that, you know, he was dead and everything and fighting a monster and getting my ass kicked. He's like, I wish, I wish I was here for seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we yeah. basically wrap up at this point. Um, uh, uh, they say, uh, Brit the Elder says, I know exactly where Nilo and Ida are. We're going to give them one more night to think they got away with it. We're going to show up the next morning and take care of them. Um, the end of the conference happens. Basically, they decide how they're going to handle non-magics. They do decide to vote so that all uh, known instances of the file are going to be locked from here on. And Philip has a big problem with that. And I have to say, um, yeah, I understand, but I also... I understand both sides of this, and we can yeah. talk about that in a second. Um, and so Gwen decides that she's going to come visit Martin in a little while just to kind of see maybe maybe something can happen here. Uh, it's definitely going to come see uh, Philip because, you know, there's something going on there. Uh, so the guys appear back in Camelot, and they've, uh, they've got a note there saying that it's Roy's uh, ceremony, you know, coming to the castle tonight. So they're like, okay, cool. I'm sure they probably waited to make sure we were back. So they had something big going on. 
So they show up and it's the usual dinner they have when they welcome a new wizard and they're eating food and eating, you know, having drink or whatever. And right before he, right before Roy is supposed to give his, um, his, uh, his macro show off his macro demonstrating his powers, uh, uh, um, not Jeff, uh, Gary and Eddie are like, Hey guys, we have a surprise. Everyone come over here. They all walk over to the side and they're like, everyone hold hands. And I'm like, do we have to? It's like, yes, just hold hands. And they all hold hands. And then Jimmy appears and he's in his full Merlin robe. He has his staff. He has everything. And, and he proceeds move. and he tells them, yeah, by the way, you can't move. You've got your hands locked together. And they're like, dude, it's, it's cool, man. It's cool because, you know, his, the only way you were going to accept his apology is if you didn't have powers and he did to show that he's genuinely honest. And they're like, they're like, well, that's bullshit because you two still have your powers. And he's like, well, no, not actually, because I took your powers away, too. And they're like, oh, shit. So he raises everyone up and floats up in the air and proceeds to go on this monologue of, you know, y'all fucking, I, you know, y'all sent me back to my time. You know, I've been riding, you know, on a fucking bike for 30 years. I'm, I didn't have any friends. I almost died. I've been thinking about this day for a long time and, and lowers it back down to the ground. He's aged those 30 years. And he's aged those 30 years. And, you know, he's like, you know, I've been waiting for this for a long time. And Philip's like, well, just fucking do it. And he's drops to his feet and he's just like, or drops to his and he's just like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do it. Please forgive me. There's no way you'll ever forgive me. And they're just like, what the fuck is this? And he's like, I'm apologizing. I know it's new, but I'm apologizing. Um, <laughs> and he's like, I, all my powers went away when I started apologizing. All of your powers came back. Sure enough, they levitating and they have a conversation and they basically decide, you know, they ask him a few questions. They're like, why did you come back now? Why did you come back in the first place? And he's like, you know, I got my powers back. I managed to get my powers back. But if I didn't come back and apologize, y'all would have eventually found me and y'all may have killed me on the spot. And I, you know, I want to try to get your trust back. They don't ever think they can. So they're like, fine, we're going to get set you up with a limited set of powers. We're going to keep an eye on you constantly. Um, and, um, and so they go on with the rest of the evening. Uh, um, uh, Roy's, uh, macro is basically a, Giant volcano that erupts out of the ground made out of paper mache. <laughs> it's, it's spewing stuff. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Um, let's see here. Uh, and then we, we go back. Uh, Gwen and Martin meet Ampix for lunch and basically tell him uh, what happened to Isla and Nilo, uh, Nilo and say that um, they're going to give him a reward. They're not going to make him immortal, but they're going to make it so that he can have a very, very long life. And then he's going to become Brithy, one of Brithy Elder's servants, and he's like, "Oh wow!" So that means I get to. And they're like, "No, you that your services in the bedroom will not be needed." <laughs> and they're like, "You don't understand what we're telling you. We're telling you you're going to have money. You never have to work again. You're going to be an advisor for the most powerful person in the city. Uh, you can go find any woman you want and marry and have kids." And once he realizes that, he's like, "Wow, I can actually use my skill sets to find someone of equal." status to me and uh ends up growing old and so on and so forth um the uh, there's two epilogues to this the first epilogue is back miller and murphy <sighs> are in a florida jail listening to todd give instructions from several feet away but it has to be a uh, quid pro quo <laughs> <laughs> quid pro quo quid pro quo have yeah. you ever shot anyone no 
What next? Type dir. All right, next question. Have you ever shot a man in the junk? No. <laughs> um, so they're barely getting through the situation with Todd. The second epilogue is um, Britt. It's time for Britt to go back. Um, she was hoping to just kind of slink off. Britt the Elder, like, hey, you can come with me for a minute. And it's this huge celebration. Um, at this point in time, she's not really talking to Philip for some reason. We don't really know why. And he's like, hey, if you don't want me here, you know, it's fine. She's like, no, no. She was you're a saying go back to build Atlantis. Right? Yes, to go back to build Atlantis. Yeah. They yeah. have this huge party for her, you know, basically saying thank you. You're the one that caused all this. You, you know, we have everything to, to, you know, we owe everything to you. And, you know, it does make her feel better. makes her feel like she's appreciated. So she goes back in time. And there's no Atlantis. And she's like, well, I guess I'll go ahead and build a structure for tonight. And then tomorrow I'll start working. And then she hears a voice of a much older Brit. And she's like, you can call me Grand Brit or Brit the Much Elder. And she's just about to lose her shit when she's like, I'm kidding, dear. And then disappears. I love that part. Love that part. Love that part. Yeah. Um, okay. It's so- just so confusing. Like, <laughs> and it's I- the timeline's up. And- which I is, can't wait for this fifth book because just from the cover and just from the, uh, it, you know, the little bit of voice it gives, it sounds like we're going to get some, hopefully some information yeah, or right. something happen. So, um, we'll find out on Tuesday. Um, overall, your thoughts on this book? I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was a, it was a really fun way to continue the story. Um, I, 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 this is one of the few stories that I actually enjoyed the characters that they introduced, uh, in the second book, right? Sometimes you're, you, you want to hold on to those original casts, but, uh, in this way, I, I did enjoy the majority of the new, new characters. Um, you can tell that Todd's going to be a creep and he's going to cause trouble later. Like they set that up, uh, big time. Um, you don't know where Jimmy is. Like, I, I think he's, you, you, at least I, at the time, I thought he was sincere in his apology, but, uh, knowing that, uh, um, you'd never to trust him, right? Like, there's always that. So that was really good. I, I just, the whole series has, has been fantastic. So, uh, yeah. And then you were, uh, you were, or we'll talk about that in a bit. So, Jen, thoughts? I liked it. I mean, uh, I thought it was a good continuation. It, it was a different spin, but there was a lot of eye rolling. It's <laughs> the stupid shit that happened. Uh, but like you said, you know, it's like how guys would handle it. So kind of it, making fun of both sides, you know, the girls do things a certain way and the guys do things. Um, I did, you know, the whole like Jimmy thing. I was, I think at the end of the book, Kind of like you, where I was just like, eh, I don't think I trust him. Also, I think it was stupid of them to like trust him enough to give him powers for that period of time, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the whole relationship with Gwen and Martin is just a little, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of how that progressed. I just think it was kind of silly, but we'll see what happens in the next few books. Um. I loved it. I, I'm like y'all. I like the new characters that they introduced and the ones who stick around, I continue to enjoy. Um, I, I like the fact we, you know, we do get a little bit more. And then the third book, which is actually going to be next month's book, 
um, we get some more backstory on some of the other, you know, pre-existing characters. Well, I think circling back that way is good. But, you know, you, the second book or second sequel to anything, you kind of have to expand a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where a lot of things get it wrong. Like you said, sometimes they'll introduce a character that, you know, are, are characters that you're like, this, I don't care for this. Yeah. Um, I'm still not 100% on Brett the Elder. I understand why she acts and does the things that she does because she thinks she has to do it that way. But I'm very much of Philip's mind and then I'm just like, you've got free will. Just because it happened that way the first time doesn't mean you have to do it that way the second, you know, this time. Yeah. Um, See, and that's the thing, though. She believes that she does. Exactly. And, and uh, She has her core it's... beliefs and he has yep. his. So. And it's <laughs> going to be interesting to see how that relationship advances with her. You know, like he's still, the, there's only one of him, but she's going to eventually become Elder Brit. I don't know. Like. Exactly, well, and that's yeah. and that's why. Because when we meet Elder Britt, they're not together anymore. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, which I don't want to think about because you know I I like to live in the happy world where they live. You know, they live yeah. happily ever after. But obviously, that's not good. At least it's not going to completely last. Who knows? Right. Um. But we now we didn't touch on that. There were two different things that I do want to touch on. Number one was I didn't really kind of go into the civilization. I did say that it wasn't. Ex- she said not to whatever you're expecting. It's not that. And and, and what I mean by that is in the civilization, uh, the sorceresses basically rule everything. Uh, there are, you know, normal people there, both men and women. Um, but, yeah, like they set up the civilization so that all of the uh, these, you know, super buff dudes are there. And like that is their one goal is to basically become like you know, a, um, well, basically have a sugar mama is what it boils down to. Um, and the women are completely fine with it. They're just like, yeah, you know, that's kind of what would happen in some of these other civilizations. That's Why not? Kind so, of what happens to women all everywhere else in the world at every other time in history. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's just kind of human. I mean, you're able to do stuff. You're, you know, you have the power. Why not reap some of the rewards? So, uh, power corrupts. Yeah. The one thing that was interesting, especially near the end, was when they were talking about the vote and everything, and how, um, <clears throat> and how the uh, uh, the council of three is, uh, because they, they realize they're like, wait a minute, the non the non magic people don't have a vote or anything, and. So like I'm sure Ampix would have something to say about that, and he's like, "Yes, what's a vote?" <laughs> and it's just like, "Oh," and I think it even said, "Well, there was a three-way loser for that conversation." <laughs> uh, but at the end of the book, it says that they change it so there's now a non-magic person on the council, um, and that the two Brits now only count as one vote. Um, so you know they they kind of rectified that, and I can see that you know being you know um, that was that was of interest. The other thing is, and, and we touched on this, was they decided as a group um, to lock down all of the instances of the file. Yeah. I understand where they're coming from because they they do have situations, uh, more than one, Jimmy and um, what's-his-face? Todd. Todd. And, and the other thing that they don't touch on very much is each of those different communities or each of those representatives – from the different communities of the magicians, or sorry, the time travelers, uh, have a version of a Jimmy or a Todd as well. So, oh yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that. So yes, it's not just 
that's not just the two examples. There are there are multiple examples of someone finding the file and causing shit with it. So I understand that respect of wanting to have it locked down so that the wrong people don't get a hold of it. But, you know, um, uh, Philip brings up the he's like, it's like we built a fort house and then we're pulling up the the ladder because we don't we don't want you to come play with us. And, you know, not saying that this is a real thing, but that would kind of suck if I did happen to find the file and it was locked and I'd be like, well, okay. Yep. So. Thoughts on that? How would you, if you were in that vote, how would you have voted on that? I would have voted against the the password protection, but I would have made it um, very similar to the trials, right? Like there, you have to go through your trial in order to gain full access to different programs and stuff like that. So, right. if anybody does find the file, uh, maybe have uh, you know um, a click here or like a a URL or something in there to say, Hey, good for you. Check this out. Yeah. Or, and then, you know, who's not going to check that out. And then next thing you know, you're, you're in the middle of a trial somewhere. So, so, but you're saying maybe instead of giving them direct act, them finding direct access to the file, making it a kind of go around so that they can kind of pre prejudge them. That's not a bad idea. I'm like you. I think I would have voted against it. Um, which, by the way, that's also funny in the book because they say every year Philip votes or wants to bring up to vote it down, and they're like, "We make it part of the opening ceremony." <laughs> uh, Jennifer, how would you have voted on that? Um, I'm kind of torn. I mean, I I see the value in trying to protect everyone that's already there, but yeah, it is kind of shitty to uh, prevent anyone new from having that experience because then you're you're essentially capping it between you know the last person that came and the first person that discovered it and you're never going to get anybody new you're never really going to know anyone Well they could the still get new people as long as they well, find new copies of the file that are right. unknown but yeah for the most part you're right there we won't ever have a situation where you know two people maybe found the same copy of the file yeah. or if they found it within that time period and show up at a later date in their Oh, that's a good point, too. You're right. They could have found the file and just showed up later. Right. Maybe uh, maybe they're maybe they're behind the cicada thing. (laughs) Remember the cicada a couple of years ago, the whole cicada. Yeah. The the puzzle thing that the we're looking for the brightest and the best. Maybe that's. that's Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, so I, I, I like the idea of having like a pre-trial or you know a, a, yeah. a test to get in. I do too. Um, Maybe they'll after fix it. after see, you know seeing the things that can happen with the wrong hands, I could see why they would definitely want to limit that because yeah. Todd's. Well, I'm not gonna this. I'm not gonna ask the question of what 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 magic spell you would use to have tried to help contain Nilo because uh, obviously Jennifer would be like a fucking. Just kill him or put him in a bubble or something, and that'd right. be it. Be done. Give you a sphere of diamond. Yeah. Just stick him in a box, like force field or something. <laughs> what would you have turned into? I guess I should ask you guys. Oh damn! I don't know. Yeah, I I originally said like turning into something giant, like a transform, would be fucking awesome. Hulk would be wicked. Oh my god, that would be awesome too. <laughs> <laughs> Although after seeing um, 
after seeing uh, uh, Infinity War, like fucking having your staff, like you know, be hit by fucking lightning and shit, and coming in like Thor. Yeah. Now that that'd would be, be pimp. badass too. That would be pimp. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dudes, what can I say? Uh, <laughs> um, our, that's it for uh, uh, this book. The next book we're reading is book three in the series, an unwelcome quest. Uh, so we'll be reading that for the next month. Um. Real quick, what else have you been reading, or have you been reading anything else? Uh, Jennifer. Um, I read The Wild Ones last month. It's a okay. book about why we choose certain animals to protect and put on the endangered species list and why we just say whatever to other animals. And, you know, looking at, like, endangered species and animals in general, like the polar bear has become, like, the mascot. Yeah. And then you have the beetle, this ugly or this ugly nasty bug that is just as, you know, at risk and we don't do anything about it. So, yeah, it was an environmental book for my Sierra Club book club. And that's really I don't all think I, I could <laughs> You what? I don't think I could have read that one. I'd been like, I'm a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, all those books make you feel guilty about anything, but it it, it was educational, informative and I don't, you know, I'm not around animals that much, and I'm. Uh, it, it was very interesting to hear about the cultural implications of all that. That's all I've got so far. Ray, you've been reading anything else? Um, just I'm on book. We're done book four of this series already. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, and then we're re-listening to, uh, or sorry, we're listening to for the first time. We've read the books, but we're listening to Harry Potter with the kids now. Oh, uh, nice. So that's our, that's our car rides right now. Uh, are you, are you listening to the American version or the British version? British. Ah. That's what's available on our Audible anyway. Well, apparently, and yes, I understand there's some kind of ways to get around it because, um, uh, they're apparently both done really well, Okay. but there's a little something extra with the British one just because it is a Harry Potter yep. book and yeah, so, um, so that's why I asked that. Yeah. Uh, I actually I, just finished listening. Oh, go on. I was just going to say there's a, there's a book that, uh, I've been handed to read, but, uh, I'll get into that uh, next month when I actually okay. get to read it. So, <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, I actually just finished two books this month. I mean, I've been reading a bunch of stuff that I've already read before, but there's two new books that I read. One of them was, um. The Singularity Trap by Dennis E. E. Taylor, the guy who wrote uh, the Bobbleverse books. Um, I, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a, a single one-off book. Uh, I could see where he might go a little further with it, but I think it's going to be a single one-off book. I enjoyed it. Um, to me, it was a little slow start, but then once certain things kind of started falling into place, I, I got into it. Uh, I did enjoy it regardless. Uh, and then the other book that I read was uh, Ghostbusters Daughter, and it's read uh, it's uh, written by uh, Violet Ramus Steele, and it's Harold Ramus's daughter, and it's basically uh, her telling the story of her growing up with her dad, and um, his career in the movies and everything else, and um, what kind of a dad he was. Uh, he smoked a lot of pot, did a lot of drugs, but was but was very just like supportive of her and her mom really wasn't there for her too much. So she really clung on to her dad and they had a really, really close relationship, even though, uh, you know, his, his mom and his dad, her mom and her dad got uh, divorced and, and he remarried and 
you know, she had stepbrothers and stuff, but he, he you know, she always kind of was a special place in his heart. And talks about his film career and kind of some of the ups and downs and stuff. And um, she, in some of the movies she starts listing, I'm like, damn, I forgot he directed that. Um, uh, and then, of course, you know, Ghostbusters being a, a big part of that and, and how it affected her life and his life and everything else. So uh, if you're a if you're a fan of Harold Ramis, it's definitely worth a listen to. If you're a Ghostbusters fan, it's definitely a, worth a listening to. Uh, but yeah, it's called Ghostbusters Daughter and it's by Violet Ramis Steele. So that is it for our show uh, this month, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we should be recording hopefully the beginning of next month with uh, book number three in the series. If you would please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or uh, Google Music. Uh, you can find us at epicallygeeky.com and online on social media at epicallygeeky on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Where can we find you online, Jennifer? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Het's Gonna Be Me. Uh, Rake, where can we find you? Lake Life Artist on Instagram is the best spot. And then obviously here and uh, Epic Geeky. And you can find me online in my individual wacky adventure at Optimachine on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For everyone on the site, have a good night. has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network. 